2: Taking it to a do it yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Tech Show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast at bzde.org.au and 3cr.org.au. Sorry about that. Don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter with the hashtag at bze tech show. My name is Michael Steindl. I'm joined today by my co hosts Kay Wenigel and Laura Perry.
0: Hi Michael. Hi Mike.
2: G'day, you guys. Today we're talking about a report produced by Climate Works on behalf of the Electric Vehicle Council called The State of Electric Vehicles in Australia. Electric vehicles are constantly in the news these days and of course BZD has produced its own report at the start of 2016. Also if you're interested in particularly in EVs we'll cover a bit more detail at the end but there's an EV expert coming up at Fisherman's Bend next February on the racetrack where you can test drive or ride an electric car, bike or skateboard. So, joining us today to discuss this report is Claire Painter, who is project manager at Climate Works. Welcome, Claire, and thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: So, firstly, Claire, can you tell us a bit about Climate Works and the type of work you do?
0: Sure. So, uh, Climate Works Australia we're a not-for-profit, um, and we were set up in 2009 as a partnership between Monash University and the Maya Foundation. Um, and our role really is to help an- uh, help Australia transition to a, a net-zero emissions future.
2: So this report, um, the state of electric vehicles in Australia, is the most up to date assessment of Australia's electric vehicle industry. Who's it, who was involved in preparing the report and, and, sorry, the report and mm. um, providing the data?
0: Um, yeah. So, ClimateWorks has been working in the, the transport field for a number of years, in particular. Um, we recognise that transport is one of the lowest cost opportunities for Australia to transition to to net zero emissions or to reduce emissions. Um, and this report was done. Uh, ClimateWorks received some funding through Arena, the Australian Renewable Energy mm-hmm. Agency, uh, to support the uptake of electric vehicles in Australia. And we decided to do this report in particular because there was a a gap in data collection in Australia when it came to electric vehicles. Um, So we wanted to fill that gap and and have a source of information that people could turn to for... um, correct information on vehicle uptake and what was happening with consumer sentiment and at policy level and that kind of stuff. So uh, the aim will be that we'll, we'll do this report annually and mm-hmm. update it um, and we coordinate with the members of the Electric Vehicle Council to pull this information together, um, but then also uh, all the usual sources of data in Australia, so VFAX for sales data and um, we coordinated with the RACV as well on, on consumer awareness stuff.
1: So, as you said, the report covers four sections.
0: Mm. Electric vehicle uptake, firstly,
1: then charging infrastructure, consumer attitudes, and finally electric vehicle policy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you firstly tell us how many electric vehicles there currently are in Australia and what sort of vehicles that includes?
0: Yeah, so, when we talk about electric vehicles, we talk about anything with a plug. Um, so, that includes both um, pure electric vehicles, but also um, hybrid electric vehicles. Plug-in yeah, hybrid. Plug-in so, plug in hybrids. Yeah, plug in hybrids. So, as long as it's got a plug, we've counted it as a part of this report. Um, things like the hybrid Camry, for example, doesn't have a plug, and although it's a hybrid, um, we've left that in a separate category. Mm. Um, so, in terms of looking at uptake of electric vehicles in Australia for 2016, um, there 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 were around thirteen hundred vehicles purchased, um, which is is a relatively low figure when you look at the whole Australian market. So in Australia, yeah, so 1.1 million new vehicles sold a year in Australia um, generally and in in 2016. Um, So it was 0.1% of of the market. so we recognise we're at the lower end of the scale in terms of um, uptake globally. But there's some, some shifts starting to happen and some really nice stuff happening, which I think will have an impact.
1: I think one of the graphs that was in that report showed that the uptake in the earlier years of so 2010, 11, mm. 12, really low in the last couple of years is sped up
0: to over a thousand a year. Yeah, yeah. So no, it no, has. 2016
2: dropped back, didn't it? A Which little bit, was yeah.
0: 23%. So 2016 did drop back, and we looked at the reasons why that might have been. Um, and one of those reasons uh, we speculated was a lack of model availability, um, particularly in the lower end of the market mm-hmm. of price ranges. Um, so I understand,
1: you know, companies like Nissan said, well, mm-hmm. we're not going to bring our new Leaf mm-hmm. into Australia because no one wants to buy it.
0: Yeah, there's, no it's, there's there's a couple of models slated to be brought into Australia in the next probably 12 to 18 months. Um, and of those, there are a handful that will be in that below 60,000 um, range. Um, so I think that will have an impact. Whether or not Nissan brings the LEAF back in, I think they're still deciding. Um, so if if something like that could come in, and there's a couple of other models that could have a really nice change on the market if they, they're bought in. But at the moment, it's most of them are above the 60000 mark, which prices them out of the, the market for a lot of people. Just a
2: quick aside, one mm. theory I heard about the, the lack of the LEAF 2 yeah. was that um, it's very popular with government fleets and so on, but there is so little incentive in Australia that Nissan were actually holding out trying to get a bit of incentive. Do you have mm. any inside knowledge on that?
0: Um, I, I, I don't know specifically for Nissan, but I know that a lot of manufacturers, um, they will bring models to market when there's demand and when there's a supportive policy environment. So at the moment there is a, a lack of policy, um, at a federal and a state level. So until that shifts, I don't think, ma- I think manufacturers are hesitant to bring, bring new models to market, um, but that being said, um, the LEAF would be a great fleet vehicle, like you said, for government and, mm. and that's why you know, we're, we're pushing that these types of models come to Australia. Mm.
1: You table a number of projected EV uptake rates in the report. What is the predicted uptake?
0: uh predictions on uptake rate is always a, a very difficult thing um
1: I, I, I noticed it was quite a range. yeah
0: <laughs> and you know where the market goes is really anyone's guess yeah. um you know there's some predictions of you know 100 percent electric vehicles by 2030 and they scale and range between that and 10 percent um so however it moves um it's it's then a it it just depends on what happens with the policy market and what models come to market as well. I think that that will be the determining factor into how quickly people purchase them. But I suppose the linking factor is is our report shows that consumers are interested in buying these types of vehicles, so it's just addressing some of those barriers and then I think you'll see a, a quicker uptake.
1: And I think the bZD report. Said there'd be a hundred percent uptake by twenty twenty five, wasn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah, I think so. And that would, or, or we could reach it if yeah, we wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think they're saying it was it was feasible mm-hmm. um, and, and
2: desirable.
1: Yeah, and desirable,
0: mm-hmm. and something like that would. I think it was something like six percent of Australia's emissions would be mm-hmm. um, very mitigated, mitigated mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that. So yeah, there's some. It's it's a big impact. I think mm-hmm. absolutely.
2: So um, the predictions. Uh, You said it's difficult predicting the future. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are they based on?
0: Uh, So the predictions, it's based on any number of models and any number of assumptions that are put into that model. Um, I think... Yeah, we, we stay a little bit out of the, the prediction game, I think. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of other people that are doing that stuff. And so we've included some figures in our report about. I,
2: okay. So you've just uh, yeah. accumulated them in, in the report. Yeah.
0: Then. And it's more yeah. of a guiding principle just to show that it could be any number of scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more looking at how to address the barriers to uptake. And then that will shift how, how, um, how electric vehicle uptake rolls out.
2: Okay, we, we did sort of um, touch on the purchases, but if we could fill out a little bit more who the purchases are, the, are they business or private, and do you see that changing?
0: Mm. So, yeah, um, our report showed, and this was data we got from um, the National Transport Commission. So it actually showed for 2016 um, the majority of electric vehicles purchased were from um, business. And I suppose the, the important thing to note in that category, so I think it was, uh, where were we, 64%, So that business category, that actually includes manufacturer fleets and dealer demonstrators. So while the market's quite small at the moment, we're seeing a larger uptake of of those types of vehicles so people can get in them and try them. Then following on from that business segment is private buyers, so that was 34%, and then government was the smallest proportion at 2%. Mm. And in terms of how that will change and evolve, um, we actually feel that fleet plays a really big part in, in deploying electric vehicles, and government has a significant purchasing power that they can leverage and and mm. get. they can bring in a whole heap of electric vehicles, and fleets often only keep their vehicles for three to five years. So there'll be a nice turnover into the second-hand market. Mm, That's right.
1: Okay, let's um, get on to the charging infrastructure. Can you tell us the number of them around and where they're distributed?
0: Yeah, so there's a range of charging um, points around Australia, and I think it's a bit of a perception that there isn't charging infrastructure in Australia. But this is actually changing. So what we found was there's 476 dedicated electric vehicle public um, charging stations in Australia, and okay. these are mostly... they um, so just under
2: 500. Yeah,
0: so these are mostly urban-based, so mm-hmm. around cities. Of course. And then more and more we're seeing a rollout of destination charging. So, um, so as you travel, having DC charging or fast charging, as you travel so that you're able to top up your car quickly as you go.
2: But that's that's not explain the term destination mm, charging. Yeah,
0: so I suppose uh, when you look at charging infrastructure, there's two categories. So you've got your slower AC charging, mm-hmm. and that's the type of charging you might do at home, or if you go and do your shopping, it'll be something you can plug your car into, and you just top your battery up with that.
2: Shopping centers, yeah, hotels, things
0: mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. DC charging or fast charging is uh, charging that you'll have um, if you're doing like a longer journey and you're depleting the battery as you drive and you want to top it back up to full before you keep going on your journey. So, for example, um, uh, WA has their, their charging highway that runs down the south coast. Uh, down to the south and um uh, queensland's just announced their charging um super that will run um up the coast of queensland up to cairns so this is the type of stuff that you know it's more linked into tourism and that kind of thing and it's when you're needing to charge your car up quickly and um charge it up to a fuller capacity
1: does this include the tesla charger
0: Yeah, so Tesla numbers were included in in our account. Um, We use data from PlugShare for this, noting that not all charges are listed on PlugShare. So the, the number's actually probably higher. And when we look at redoing this state of electric vehicles report next year, we'll look at the data sources we use this time and how we can um, improve on it. So we've been working a little bit with ChargePoint and I think they have some charging stations which aren't included on PlugShare. So I think that number that we've got in the report is actually going to be a lot higher. Mm. And do any of these chargers include adapters or are they interchangeable? I think it'll, in terms of what plug the um, charging station has, there's a range in Australia and this is a tricky thing we have here is there's multiple Um, options when it comes to what plug you use for your vehicle. But the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, the FCAI, they released a a paper, I think it was yesterday, saying that they're moving to a standardised plug um, option for Australia. So I think it was for the slower charging, having um, type 2 and then for the faster charging, I think it was a different type, so Chathamo and um, Type 2 also. But they've released, released guidance for that for the manufacturers in Australia. So I think there is a bit of change happening when it comes to plug standards and that's being driven by industry. And like you said, adapters are an option also for people. And I think you can purchase those through your, through your car dealership and through your manufacturer. I had another question about mm. WA. Um, which cities do the chargers connect, these 40 chargers up the coast? Do you know how far along they I are? don't know how far it goes. I I know there's a lot of information on the um, – so it was set up by RACWA, so mm. the automobile club out there, and it had funding through government. I think it runs down through to Margaret River, but I'm not sure. But they would have details on their website about where the locations were. Sure.
1: If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Claire Painter from ClimateWorks about the recent report that they've done on the state of electric vehicles in Australia. Claire, I just wanted to clarify, um, Tesla charging stations, the DC Mm. charging stations, can't be used by any other electric vehicle, can they? So it's a a little bit misleading when you talk about the number that mm. can be used around Australia for charging purposes.
0: Yeah.
2: It's a bit of VHS all over again, isn't it? It
0: is a little bit. And Tesla's Tesla's got its own technology and its own charging standards, mm. um, uh, which does make it a little bit tricky. But the the nice thing is Tesla's – so as Tesla rolls out their, their charging stations and s- charging locations – I know that they have talked about co-locating with other sites, so they're putting this infrastructure in and then it means someone else can come along that's already ready to go and you can put another charging so charging station on that same exactly. site mm-hmm. with a different plug option.
2: Mm-hmm. Which um, is more significant than it might sound at first because mm-hmm. a lot of the cost is actually getting that hefty power supply there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so often it's that, that infrastructure cost of getting the power connected and making sure it's the right voltage that can be the biggest cost in terms of actually installing the the infrastructure.
2: We probably should also clarify. You, you just mentioned in passing ChargePoint and um, what's the other one? PlugShare. PlugShare, Plug share, sorry. Um, so these are apps uh, for your phones that will actually tell you where the charging stations are all around the country.
0: Yeah. And so so PlugShare is a, a a site where you can list. A charging station. So it's basically just a site where you can Mm -hmm. add your site to it and everyone can track it and it's a free site to to access. ChargePoint is a charging company and I believe they have their own map on their own website where Mm. they list their locations. But I think they do list some of them on PlugShare. So PlugShare is kind of like the... Mm The, the source to go to for a whole range of different um And
2: companies. in, in uh, the PlugShare case, it's sort of crowdsourced in that you get feedback exactly. from users about um, how accessible it is, yeah. um, what sort of uh, plug station it is and so on.
0: Exactly. So you referred
1: to a report that the RACV did about consumer awareness. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah. So um, we worked with RACV directly on this for the report and they surveyed 500 of their members so we put together a range of questions to be sent out to RACV members around what their attitudes were towards electric vehicles and um, whether or not they'd consider buying one so this was sent out and it was a nice response and it was in terms of respondees we had a nice split between genders and between age groups and what it revealed was about 50 percent of respondents would consider buying an electric vehicle wow, that's a lot. yeah so it was it was a significant number but this number also um, is in line with other reports or other consumer awareness surveys that have been done recently so um, Queensland had run something similar and they had similar results and similarly in um, the UK they ran another survey and the results were were quite the same as there so there is a growing consumer demand for Mm. these types of vehicles and is there an indication of why they're interested um, I don't know. We didn't survey that specifically, but I know. I mean, electric vehicles are the new cool technology, and mm. well, you know, fuel costs apart from anything else. Well, fuel costs, costs also, a yeah. uh, service cost, fuel costs. They're nice to drive, mm. you know, and I think people are starting to realise that there is a shift happening away from internal combustion engine vehicles. So they're starting to consider what are what are the other options.
2: So, conversely, what were their main concerns? Is it the predictable range anxiety?
0: Yeah, what we found was the the key barriers to uptake really still were uh, access to charging infrastructure or the perceptions around that, which is an interesting one because international studies show that about 90% of all charging um, will happen at the home or the workplace. Mm. 90%? Yeah. So, in terms of public charging, this is more of a visible signal that people, if they run out of charge on their car, they will be able to charge it somewhere. It's more that comfort factor than Mm. anything. But the majority of charging will happen at home or the workplace. And then the other barrier was cost. So um, at the moment in Australia, there is a a real limited um, number of vehicles available at that lower end market.
2: So Claire, can you tell us about the current EV policy in Australia and and what the government could do to improve Mm. electric vehicle uptake?
0: Yep. So this report, we do look at at policy at both the state and federal level. We weren't able, just to, due to time constraints, we weren't able to get to the local level, but we think we'll try and incorporate that into the, the next one because there is a role for all jurisdictions to play in terms of supporting the uptake. Government? Yeah. yeah, and local governments are doing a lot in this space as well. So um, we want to be able to capture that information too. Mm-hmm. At a federal level though, There are a range of policies that could really support electric vehicle uptake and the key one is um, vehicle emission standards and the federal government is considering these at the moment and they could have a, a significant impact on lower emission vehicles coming into the Australian market. So that's probably a key one at the federal level and that would be the overarching policy that would guide other policies that flow down from that. At a federal level where we also look at things like incentivize or exempting electric vehicles from fringe benefit tax or luxury car tax and getting government to actually set some targets in terms of fleet uptake is a really important tool. And at a state level, looking at things like um, registration costs or exemptions and stamp duty exemptions and then support for you know charging installation and um, parking access, things like that.
1: Well, no, overseas, over in Europe, say for instance Norway, they have massive incentives in terms of the money that they've given back to buyers. Um, on freeways, mm-hmm. they have lanes that they can use, mm-hmm. p- specific lanes, parking incentives, and so mm-hmm. forth. And so the uptake's incredible. Mm. Do you think the government here would do something like that or those sort of things?
0: Um, I I think government's considering a range of options at the moment, particularly bundled in together with this vehicle emission standards work that they're doing at the moment. But, you know, international experience has shown that the countries that do have the highest uptake do have vehicle emission standards in place firstly, but then do have a range of supporting complementary measures or incentives. So it's about bundling all those up together.
2: So you've mentioned vehicle emission standards. Um, to my mind, our current federal government has been really um, lax, as the kindest way I can describe it, in that they've just been sitting on the, the standards that the rest of the OECD seems to have, have taken up and refused to, to bring Australia out of the dark ages in our standards. You, you said they're considering it seriously now. Where are we at
0: so uh, the federal government set up a ministerial forum on vehicle emission standards probably about 18 months ago and they've been doing um, considerable consultation with um, industry on this. Where they've gotten to is they had proposed three models and they've selected a preferred option. So their their proposed model, they've, they're running out for a bit more consultation with industry and the aim will be is that they'll make a recommendation to Cabinet by the end of this year.
2: And the the range of those three models.
0: So, their prefer or well, the the proposed model at the moment would be to align ourselves similarly to the US. So, it would be one hundred and five grams of CO two um, per hundred kilometers by twenty twenty five. And this is this is a a nice target and would align us with with um, the US. And,
1: and how the, all does that compare to Europe?
0: Europe's a little bit um, lower than that, Um, but I think the important thing is they're they're working off a a lower base at the moment, so they've already got a lot of electric vehicles into their market over there, so having a lower target makes a bit more sense. So
2: Europe's um, 95 grams by 2021 instead of um, Mm -hmm. our best proposal at the moment is 105 by 2025, Mm -hmm. isn't it? the, The government says... One of the reasons they haven't done it is that vehicles will be more expensive, mm. but um, against that, the users make a big saving once they do get those cars, don't they? Something like yeah. $500 a year? Is that-
0: yeah, so the government's modelling shows that it would be about a $500 saving, fuel saving per driver um, by 2025. And this figure is noting it's it's per vehicle. So a lot of households have more than one vehicle. So mm-hmm. I think the average is 1.8 vehicles per household. So you've got to consider that that's a significant saving to consumers in terms of fuel costs. And if you compare it to the, the current proposed... A national energy guarantee that the government's just released about how much savings to a household that will bring. That was around $115 by 2030. So vehicle <laughs> emission standards will actually give you five times the amount of savings and five mm. years earlier.
1: Mm. That's impressive, isn't it? Mm. And so what does it do to the costs of the vehicles, though, so,
0: buying the vehicle? Yeah, so the government's modelling shows that it will increase costs maybe up to around $1,500 to $2,000. But that cost is actually getting you the best technology. It's getting you the Mm. the latest technology. So the trade-off is you pay a little bit more for it, Mm. but you're getting all these fuel savings as well as the new technology. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So this is a federal government um, domain. The states can't contribute to this?
0: I believe that the states have submitted comments to the proposed model but it's a, it's a federal policy so that they will have to be imp- implemented at that level.
2: And, and are they, is the Paris Agreement pushing this at all?
0: In part. So um, the transport sector really needs to reduce emissions in Australia and contribute to that um, Paris target. So that's why vehicle emission, uh, vehicle emission standards are so important.
2: Thanks, Claire. Where can people find out more?
0: Uh, you can go onto the ClimateWorks website or you can also have a look on the Electric Vehicle Council website.
2: Thank you very much uh, for elucidating that report. We've been speaking to Claire Painter from the ClimateWorks about the recent report, The State of Electric Vehicles in Australia, about to become an annual event. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by Climate Change Solutions Think Tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Climate Radio Network. As I mentioned before, there's an EV Expo coming up in February. Um, if you want to find out more about that, go to either the evexpo.org.au site or I think it's a, a Facebook group, Melbourne, Melbourne EV Expo. Um, lots of exciting stuff happening there and going to a much bigger venue this year. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bzde.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program, it does cost, even though we're all volunteers, it does cost to put on, and we'd love if you could donate. There's a button on the website. Thanks for listening. We hope to catch you next week. Good night.
0: Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. Bze.org.au.